Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We've been talking about the fact that Jesus is our example. He set the standard for true Christian living. He was totally consecrated to the Father and to the fulfillment of all that was right in the eyes of the Father. And we saw that in His water baptism. Also, we saw that Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost. When He came up out of the water, the Spirit of God fell upon Him. And He was anointed from on high with the Spirit of God. We saw that the Father was pleased with His life, and therefore that tells us that He was living a life of sacrifice, obedience, and faith. For with such sacrifices, the Bible says, God is well pleased, and obedience is better than sacrifice, and without faith you can't please God. Amen? And then we saw He was led by the Spirit of God, and then we saw that He used the Word of God to stand against Everything and anything the devil brought his way. No matter what it was that he faced in this realm of life in which we live, he conquered it with the Word. Amen? I said he conquered it with the Word. He set the standard for us. He gave us the example to follow. Then he gave that beautiful Sermon on the Mount in which he talked about the attitudes of the heart, the motives of the heart, and then he gave us certain warnings. In Matthew 7, he warned us, didn't he? He says, I'm warning you about judging. Judge not that you be not judged. I'm warning you about casting your pearls before the swine. I'm warning you about do unto others as you would have others to do unto you. He warned people about calling him Lord, Lord, yet not doing the will of his Father which is in heaven. And then he gave this warning in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Storms of life will come to all of us. Don't think it's strange that you're experiencing or encountering difficulties, circumstances, trials, tribulations, adversities in this life. Because Jesus said you would. Didn't He? But He also said the way to overcome those circumstances of life would be what? Become a doer of the Word. So the warning is this. Life storms is going to come to everyone, whether they be spiritual, emotional, physical, financial, social, whatever it is, you and I will encounter difficulties in life. Look at verse 24 of chapter 7, Matthew 7, 24. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Everybody say, doeth them. It's not those that hear, but it's those that do. He shall be likened unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not. Everybody say, doeth them not. See, they both heard the word, but only one did the word. The other one didn't do the word. And because he or she did not do the word, he was likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. Same experience, same adversity, same trial, same circumstance, same difficulty, same pressure, whatever. It's all the same. 
and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So what he's telling us is this. I'm warning every person who hears my sayings. You will be challenged in life, no matter who you are. The key to victory is not hearing what I have to say, but doing what I have to say. Can you see that? Amen. Well, the doer is blessed, according to James, in his doing. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25 says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. For he that hears and does is blessed in his deed. One translation says he is blessed in his doing. He is blessed in his doing the word. What is he blessed in? In doing the word. So he hears it and then does it and he is blessed in his doing. But the one who hears it and does not do it, he is self-deluded or deceived. He is self-deluded or deceived. Why? Because he thinks committing the word to memory is sufficient. Because he thinks knowing what the word says is sufficient. He thinks mentally assenting to the word is sufficient. He thinks looking up and knowing the Greek is sufficient or the Hebrew is sufficient or he thinks knowing the history of the word is sufficient. And Jesus said it's not. I want to take us to a new level. Are you ready to go there with me? See, hearing is not enough. Knowing what the Word says is not enough. Committing it to memory is not enough. Mentally assenting to it is not enough. Knowing the history of it, the Greek of it, the Hebrew of it is not enough. We can hear and waste a lot of energy in all those things, but it's not enough to get us to the place that we want to be. The secret or the key is becoming a doer of the Word. That man is blessed in his deed and that man's house will not fall. When the trials of life come. Isn't that what Jesus said? And isn't he warning all those who hear his word? Absolutely. Well, if this is true, and we know that it is because Jesus said so, then what is the secret to becoming a doer of the word of God? That's found in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. And I'll tell you what, beloved, what a golden text. What an absolutely precious nugget of truth that has been revealed to us by Jehovah Himself. Jehovah God the Father revealed to Joshua the secret to becoming a doer of the Word of God. Are you ready to go there with me? Are you ready to rise to higher heights in God and experience a greater reality with God? Then listen, here's the secret. This book, Joshua 1.8, of the law, shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, underline this, that thou mayest observe to do. Here's the secret to becoming a doer of the Word of God. See, someone says, I understand, but I just can't seem to do what God said. Well, I realize that you cannot do what God said in your own strength. You cannot do what God tells you to do in your own powers or your own abilities. 
The only way we can do what God's Word instructs us to do is found right here. We have got to, by faith, trust Jehovah God that He knew what He was talking about. Can we give Him that much? I mean, He is the creator of all the universe, isn't He? Well, He should know what He's talking about. And He told Joshua, this is the secret to becoming a doer of the Word of God, that thou mayest observe to do. Well, what is the secret? The Word must be kept in the mouth, and the Word must be meditated by day and night. If the Word is kept in the mouth, and if meditation in the Word is practiced by day and night, what will happen is you will be equipped or you will have the ability, the resources, or whatever it is that you need on the inside to become a doer of the Word of God. He says, if you keep the Word in your mouth and meditate it by day and night, then you will be able to observe to do all that is written therein. And what does that lead to? Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. If we want our way to be prosperous and if we want to have good success, we must become a doer of the Word. To become a doer of the Word, the Word must be in our mouths by day and night. And we must meditate in the Word by day and night. So then meditation becomes the key to doing the Word of God. Isn't that true? According to Jehovah God, that's exactly what He said. Well, how many believe that? One. Two, three. (laughs) Glory to God. You see, beloved, meditation is a spiritual exercise. Meditation is a spiritual exercise that has a positive effect upon the recreated human spirit. And that effect enables the person to do the Word of God. If we're not able to do the Word of God or act upon it, then the secret's out. It's because we're not keeping the Word in the mouth and we're not meditating it by day and night. That's self-explanatory, isn't it? It is. If we're not able to do the Word of God in areas of our lives, then we know that we're not keeping the Word in our mouth and we're not meditating in it by day and night. Because if we were, then we would be able to do it. We would observe to do it. Do you see the secret here? Let me explain it like this. Every one of us knows that bodily exercise has a positive effect upon the human body. It tones it and strengthens it. Isn't that true? As a matter of fact, doctors know the value of a good exercise program. Keeps everything functioning like it should. True. And the more you do it, the stronger you get, the more toned you are. And the Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. Well, for a little while. In other words, there's an advantage to it. We also understand and recognize the value of exercising our minds. We have institutions that are set up. Colleges, universities, technical schools. For what purpose? To help us train Or exercise our minds. And as we exercise our minds, we quicken them or sharpen them. 
And we strengthen our minds. They become sharp, strengthened. But what about spiritual exercise? What does it do? Meditation is a spiritual exercise that has a positive effect upon the recreated human spirit. And what is that effect? It builds faith. It strengthens the recreated human spirit. It cultivates and develops the life and the ability of God within the human spirit. That's what it does. You can't see it happening because it's not a physical something. But just as you exercise physically, you know your body will eventually get stronger. Just as you exercise your mind, you know it will become sharper and strengthened and more educated and developed. We are to trust God that by meditation in the Word, we strengthen our spirit man, we build faith into our spirit man, and we cultivate and develop the ability... And the life of God that is within us. In so doing, we enable ourselves to become doers of the Word of God that we keep in our mouths and meditate on. And that's exactly what God was trying to get over to Joshua. He said, this is the secret to your success. This is the key to your victory and to overcoming Life's difficulties. And so he made it very clear to Joshua, this is what you are to do. Now, beloved, I'm going to make a statement that will absolutely bless you. And I believe really quicken you. We face many battles in this life. Every single one of us, no matter who we are. But you know, those battles must first be won in the mind. If you're going to win them. In the natural. There is a battle for the mind. And if we don't win the battle for the mind, we're not going to win the battle that's out here. I want you to think that through. Turn with me to Psalm, if you would please, Psalm, the first Psalm, Psalm 1. The battles of life are won when we win the battle for the mind. If you can control your meditation, you can control your conduct and your speech. If you can control your thinking and think on the right things, you will win the battles of life. But if we are not in control of our meditation and our thinking, then we're not going to win life's battles. The double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Did you get that? See, the double-minded man, in other words, the man who does not control his thinking, the man who does not control his meditation, is also unable to control his conduct and his speech. Well, what is faith? What we do and what we say. He is not releasing faith. If he is controlled by wrong emotions, then what happens? He can be producing fear and doubt. And unbelief. 
See, God wants us to know that there is a need for us to master the art of meditation because meditation is a spiritual exercise that strengthens the spirit, builds faith into the spirit, and also quickens the very life of God within us. It cultivates it. It develops it. His life, His ability, His nature, His character is developed in us through meditation. And again, I said uh, last Sunday, I said, we should not be afraid of meditation because of mind science religions. The Word of God has much to say to us about what we do with our minds and what we meditate on. Listen to this verse in Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. The words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart need to be acceptable in the sight of God. God's not pleased when we meditate the wrong thing. And we'll get to that in a moment. But look at this here. Look how the book of Psalms begins. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. See, there's a way to walk in. You don't want to walk in the way of the ungodly, do you? So it talks about where we walk. Who wants to walk with the ungodly in the way of the ungodly? I certainly don't, do you? No. Okay. Well, he goes on to say, Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. We don't want to stand in agreement with the way of sinners. Do we? No. Thirdly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We don't want to walk, stand, or sit in any wrong way with regard to life. Do we? Well, listen, here's how not to. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Day and night. Does he meditate day and night? I want you to see the emphasis here. In his law, doth he meditate day and night? Day and night. Day after day and night after night. Day after day and night after night. Now listen. He shall be like a... What shall he be like? A tree planted by the rivers of water. That's what this person shall be like. When we look at a tree, we don't usually look at the roots, do we? No, we look at the, the beautiful leaves, especially at this time of year. I'm sure many of you have remarked on the beautiful scenery when you're driving down a highway, the different colors. You're looking at the beauty of that tree and of the leaves. But something is going on that we need to be aware of. That tree is sturdy and strong and stately. Why? Because it's being nourished. And there's no problem as far as it bearing fruit and doing what it's supposed to do, looking beautiful, as long as it is keeping nourished and there is a, a good food supply. long as it's being watered. Well, you'll be like a tree, the Bible says, if you meditate the Word day and night... And you will be drawing your strength from the very life of God. Just like that tree is planted by the rivers of water that has more than enough for its supply. You too will be drawing your life from the very life of God 
And look at what it says. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season, your leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want you to notice that prosper or prosperity or success is always connected with meditation. How many of you have seen that already? If you meditate the Word of God by day and night, you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. If your delight is in the law of the Lord and you meditate it by day and night, that's every day and every night, what will happen? You'll be like this tree planted by the rivers of water. And you're not looking at the water that it's, that it's receiving, are you? But you'll be there. You'll be drawing from that water of life. And as a result, you'll be strengthened. You'll have the ability to produce fruit in your season. And all that you do will what? Prosper. You'll have good success. Isn't that what he is saying? But look at the connection between meditation and success. Meditation and prosperity. Meditation and being a doer of the Word of God that produces results in your life. Amen. So, there is going to be in our lives a battle... In the mind. Every single one of us will face life's challenges. But let this be to you a guide. If you are not winning the battle in your mind, you know you're not going to win the battle in this arena of life. Let that be a gauge to all of us. Something has to be done. So that we can gain control over our meditation and over our thinking faculties. Otherwise, we are in the position of defeat and not victory. Let us recognize that about ourselves. Now, this is what I mean when I say that. There is a battle going on in every Christian's mind. The mind is the battlefield. Satan will inject thoughts into our minds designed to weaken our spirits and build doubt and unbelief through fear. That's exactly what he'll do. He'll say things to your mind, trying to dictate to your mind, to paint a picture in your life of your defeat. And if we are controlled by that way of thinking, and if that is our meditation, and we receive that then we're not winning the battle of the mind and we're going to be weakened spiritually and we're not going to produce faith. We'll produce doubt, unbelief, anxiety, worry, fretting, fear. All those negative forces will be the results of what? Wrong meditation. Go back to the very beginning. And where was Eve attacked? Think about it. Her position was weakened. Why? Because there was an injection of doubt and unbelief. As a result, through her meditation, through her steadfast look to see, yes, that truth does look pretty good for me to eat. I wonder if it's true. See, she painted a picture... In her mind, she saw it and she went after it. Her meditation was wrong. Her thinking was wrong. She ended up in disobedience and you know the results thereafter. She fell. Now, on the other hand, beloved, 
God is the one who wants to bring us to a place of peace and tranquility in our minds through faith. See, through fear, Satan brings anxiety and worry. But through faith, God brings peace into our minds. If your mind is overcome by anxiety and worry and fretting, then know this, fear is operating in you. But if there is peace and tranquility in your mind, then you are in a place of rest and your spirit man is producing faith. You know, that's why we're to cast down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. For the weapons of... No, let's turn there. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen. Strongholds are in the mind. Satanic strongholds are built up in the mind of the believer. And what causes that to happen? Through fear... People meditate on the wrong thing. In so doing, their spirit is weakened. They produce doubt and unbelief. And Satan builds strongholds in that person's mind. They set self-imposed limitations. They think they can't overcome. They think they can't believe God. They think they can't get healed. They think they won't be a success. The battle is in the mind. And as long as they think that and continue thinking that, they will be held captive. And so God is saying to reverse that, you have got to begin to meditate in the Word, keeping it in your mouth by day and night, and eventually you will bring forth your fruit as a doer of the Word of God, you will be able to observe God's Word to do it. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Where are those strongholds? He tells us in the next verse, Casting down imaginations, um, images, Images. Listen carefully, beloved. How do you see yourself? What is your image of yourself? Well, listen to yourself. Talk about yourself. I just can't seem to do it. I don't know how I'm going to be able to overcome. What is your self-image then? What is your image of yourself? We're to cast down imaginations that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Strongholds are exalted images that rise or ascend above the knowledge of God in the life of the believer. And we are to pull them down. There's where the battle is. That's why the mind is the battleground or the battlefield. And bring every thought and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. As believers, we are to reject the thoughts of Satan, reject the thoughts of fear, reject the thoughts of whatever sickness, disease, whatever it is that comes against us or wars against our minds, and then overcome them by meditating in what God said 
and building in our minds a stronghold for God. As we meditate, then we become doers of the Word, strengthen our spirits, build faith in our hearts, and cultivate the very life of God. And then when we face life's battles, we are equipped and well prepared to stand against the storm. We don't bow our knees. Whatever the situation is, has to bow its knee. And this is what God is trying to get across to us. Now, let me show you. Whatever it is that we fix our minds on or meditate in is what will control our lives. Write down this verse of Scripture. Isaiah 26.3 says, Now remember this, God wants to bring us to a place of peace in our minds. Rest, tranquility. Right? In Him you'll find rest unto your souls. What is your soul? Mind, will, and emotions. In Him, if we labor and are heavy burdened or heavy laden, He says, Come to Me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Hook up together with me. Learn of me and you shall find rest unto your souls. Peace. Tranquility. In the midst of adversity. It's a calming of the storm. Just when Jesus rose up out there on the sea, there was a storm. His disciples were frantic, full of anxiety and worry. Not Jesus. He stood up because he was prepared. And said, peace be still. And there was a great calm. Now think about that. There was a, an example of how he overcame life's storms. We too can have peace of mind. But listen carefully as to how to get it. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose, what? Mind is stayed. Stayed means fixed. Positioned, fixed on thee because he trusteth in thee. How do I fix my mind on him? Through meditation. God and his word are one. As I meditate in what God said, as I think upon what God said, then my mind is stayed, my mind is fixed. I have an anchor for my soul and I'm not double-minded. The double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. But let our mind be single. Let your mind be fixed on what God said and meditate on what God said. Keep what God said in your mouth. Fix your mind on Him and He will keep us in what? Perfect peace. If your mind is stayed on Him. So can you see that if you're losing the battle of the mind, you're not unleashed? There's a rest to those that enter in faith. And when you're in faith, there's no troubled mind. But you understand, look how bad that problem is that you're facing. But that's okay. Why? Because I've already operated in faith and I know that God's at work. I'm not, I'm not focusing on the problem. I'm focusing on the solution. I see myself victorious over that situation and I thank God for it. And you know what? There's perfect peace. Tranquility. Because God's at work. But if he's serious, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I don't know what I'm... Oh, my goodness. How am I going to overcome this? I'm going to hell. When you find yourself there, go back to the drawing board and realize this. What's in your mouth? What are you meditating on by day and night? And you'll find it to be the problem. As a result, you're full of anxiety. Your spirit is weakened. 
you're not unleashing the force of faith. You're probably releasing more doubt than anything else. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound or well-disciplined mind. Do you know there's a need for us to be disciplined in our mind? A well-disciplined mind. See, fear targets the life of the individual so that through fear we become anxious, worrisome, fretful. Again, activating within us things that are detrimental to our own well-being. But God didn't give us the spirit of fear. He gave us the spirit of faith. And in order for us to overcome fear, we have got to meditate in the Word of God. And if we meditate on what God said, power, love, and a well-disciplined mind, see, then we overcome fear, the anxiety and the worry, and we, we win the battle of the mind. We're at peace. Look at another verse that tells us something about the mind to show us that God's Word indeed does speak much about what we do with our minds. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if we think we can't, we set self-imposed limitations upon ourselves. If we think we're unable to do it, then once again we're unable to do it. We paint pictures of defeat into our lives. But God doesn't want that. God says there is a need for His children to meditate the Word, keep it in their mouths by day and night, that they would activate within themselves that which enables them to do the Word when they face life's storms. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful for nothing. In other words, be anxious or fretful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication... With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, let's stop there just for a moment. There's a problem, and the problem tempts us to become worrisome or fretful. We are instructed in the Word to be careful for nothing. It is not beneficial for us to be fretful, worrisome, or anxious. So he says, don't be careful. Don't worry, don't fret, don't have anxiety. Why? It's non-productive or it's counterproductive. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, in other words, take your problem to God, present it to Him, ask Him to meet your need, and then once you do, thank Him, offer thanksgiving to Him and praise Him for answering your request. And see Him solving the problem in your mind's eye. See Him at work. Meditate on His goodness. Think about how wonderful He is and how if He'd help anybody in time of need, it would be you. And as you think that, look at the next verse. And what will happen is the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So once again, he says, even after prayer, 
it is needful that believers continue to thank God for the answer and praise Him for their victory. Daily, by day and night, I see you, Father God, at work in my situation. I praise you, Father God, for being the force behind overcoming my problem. I have turned it over to you, and I see you at work in my life, Father God. I praise you for handling that problem for me. And every time the thought comes, what are you to do? What am I to do? Praise you, Father God. I'm no longer burdened by that. Hallelujah! I cast down every thought. Every imagination that comes in my mind that gives me a picture of defeat in that area. And I praise you. I'm so glad you're taking care of it. I'm so glad you're at work in my life. I just bless you, Father God. And I thank you, Father God. You see, nothing's happened yet, but what am I doing? I'm putting the word in my mouth. I'm seeing a picture of my victory. I'm seeing my God at work for me. And the peace of God takes over. But if I meditate the problem, what takes over? Anxiety, worry, fear. Can you see that? So now I'm cooperating with God. Look at the next verse. Verse 8. The peace of God is at work in me. And finally, my brethren, it doesn't matter what you do with your mind. You can think on anything you want to think, brethren. Think on things that are lies and dishonest and unjust and impure. Unlovely and things that are of evil report. Think on those things. Is that what it says? I said, is that what it says? No. What does it say? Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue or any praise, everybody say think. Amen. Say it again, think. think. Think on these things. That is a command. That is a command. Think on these things. Why? Because if you start thinking on the lies of the devil... If you start thinking on the unjust things he'll say to you, if you dwell on the impure thoughts, the immoral thoughts, what will happen? He builds a stronghold in your life, weakens your spirit, produces doubt and unbelief. See yourself as a failure. So even in the time of prayer, beloved, look at this, this commandment of God. It's a mandate for us to do something with our minds. And we should meditate. See ourselves with the answer. Praise Him for His effectual working in our lives. Remember, the double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. Look at another verse. We're close by 1 Timothy chapter 4. To show you, once again, wherever you see or find... Meditation, you will find success or prosperity. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 15. See, we use 14 a lot. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. But what about verse 15? Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. 
You know what, beloved? You don't give yourself wholly to anything without your proper meditation. You want to know what we're masters at? Giving ourselves wholly to the problem. Come on. You can be skilled in rehearsing the problem in a flash. You get a vivid picture of the problem, just like that. Right? Why is that? Because it's easy. It's easy. You have someone helping you. <laughs> but when it comes to seeing yourself victorious, you've got a part to play in that. I have a part to play in that. I have got to give myself to meditation. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Why? That thy profiting, look at prosperity, profiting our success may appear unto all or to all. So once again, meditation produces success and prosperity. Meditation enables us to be successful in bearing fruit. Meditation enables us to profit. And our profiting will appear unto all. And they'll want to know what makes us profit and prosper and succeed in life. It's because we give ourselves wholly to the Word of God and to meditating upon the things that belong to us. How many of you remember the game show Concentration? Anybody here remember that show? And what they did was they used pictures to produce words. In other words, you would see this puzzle piece, and let's say a puzzle piece was an eye, the picture of an eye, and you know that it was the word or the letter I, right? I. And then they had a plus sign, I plus. And then another puzzle piece would be revealed, and you would see, let's say, a tomato soup, it says on it, picture of a can. And so, you know, you put the two together, I plus can, I can, right? And then all of a sudden, the next one would be exposed and you would see another plus sign and then there would be a little stick figure of a person running. And you know it meant the word's not there, but the picture's there and so you use the word run. I can run. And you see the thing unfolding. And what it's using is pictures really to paint words in our minds, to give us the word. You know, God reversed that whole thing. And what God does, He gives us words to paint pictures. And concentration or concentrating, we could say, is meditating on the Word to paint pictures upon the canvas of our hearts. So that in so doing, our spirits are strengthened, faith is built within our hearts, and we cultivate the very life and ability of God within us. But it's in word form. And through these words, as we focus on these words, we are to paint pictures and produce images in our lives. And beloved, you will find out that the most successful individuals are those that take time to meditate spiritually. Those that really see, when we say see truth, are those that meditate in the word so that God by His Spirit will enable them to have a revelation of truth. Through meditation, we paint pictures upon the canvas of our heart. Our spirits are strengthened. Faith is built. On the other hand, Satan gives us words or pictures of defeat 
I don't know about you, but if, if, have you ever had uh, something like this happen to you? It's almost like something flashed before you and saw something tragic could happen. Or maybe you're going about your own business and you know your children were out or whatever and all of a sudden you get a phone call and there's a, a, a concern about your child, where they may be at or what's going on or something happened and all of a sudden you see a picture in your mind of a car wreck or something like that. Has that ever happened to you? It's like a flash, something negative, something bad begins to happen. And if you're not careful, something that you don't really know happened begins to be built up in your mind. Fear begins to take over. You, became, you become anxious and you worry about something that probably hasn't even happened yet. But all of a sudden you see more pictures right there in front of your face. And it's speaking out very loud to us. If we're not careful, that kind of meditation can be very destructive in our lives, to our lives. God wants us to get into the practice of taking words, His words, and using them to paint pictures in our lives so that we can see ourselves victorious in Him. Now, I know it's not an easy thing to do, but beloved, listen to me carefully, please, because this is going to revolutionize the way you study the Word of God. Absolutely revolutionize it. Don't be deceived into thinking religiously about studying God's Word. People think, if I can read four chapters today, God will really be pleased with me. I read four chapters. You know, God would be more pleased if you took one verse and painted a picture of it in your heart and in your mind and you used it to control your life than reading four chapters in a day. That's true. You know why most Christians are defeated in life? They've never painted a picture of victory. And that victory begins with painting this picture. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, the Bible says that surely He bore our sickness and carried our pains. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was on Him, and with His stripes we are healed. Now let me stop right there. I'm giving you words to paint a picture. Jesus on the cross bore the penalty of my sin. God wants me to meditate that until I get a clear picture of that in my mind. He'd rather me spend the next three weeks on that one verse, Isaiah 53, 4, and get a clear picture of the fact that Jesus bore my sin so that I can have a revelation of what that means. So that my spirit can be strengthened with the reality of what that verse is saying. And then secondly, he also says the chastisement of my peace was on him. And the Father would have me to meditate that verse until it's crystal clear in my mind that Jesus Christ took upon Himself my mental anguish so that I could have freedom in my emotions. He paid the price for my peace of mind. And every time I find myself full of anxiety, He wants me to get calm right away and go right to His Word and read that Word and say, say I fix my mind on you. And I'm telling you, the problem will get your mind and want to pull it over there. And every time you go back to the Word and say, and say this, 
You said you'd keep me in perfect peace if my mind was stayed on you because I, tr I trust in you, Father. Jesus paid the price for my soundness of mind, for, for my peace of mind, and the problem will pull you back over here again. It'll just tug at you. It'll want to get you over here. Don't think on that. Think on this. But you don't understand what's going on. It'll get you over here all the time. And there will be a battle in the mind. Can you see that? If it's your finances, there'll be a battle in your mind. There's just seemingly not enough money coming in and all that, and I don't know what I'm going to do. But you come over to Philippians 4.19 that says, But my God supplieth all my need according unto His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank You for that. And, but then slowly but surely, another bill will come. This will happen. That will happen. And you'll get pulled away back over here. And you'll paint a picture of yourself unable to pay your bills, meet your payments, and all that stuff. And there's a battle going on. And then here's the double-minded man going back and forth and back and forth. And what does that person get from God? Absolutely nothing. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So what is God saying? Take the time not just to read my word, but take the time to meditate in my word. Keep it in your mouth by day and night, by day and night, by day and night. He doesn't mean for one day. He doesn't mean for two days. He's talking about a practice of putting the Word in our mouths and in our, our meditation by day and night until they rise to a place of ascendancy over our lives. And then, as a result of staying firmly fixed on Him, we have peace of mind. And then when the thought comes that says, but you don't understand. Here's the problem. You're not going to get well. You can't pay your bills. You sit over on this other side and you're not even swayed to go back over to that type of thinking. And you just laugh and you have perfect peace. And you say, oh, I'm so glad you've already dealt with that, Father. I'm just so glad I don't even have to think about that any longer because you've dealt with it already. You see, now I'm single-minded. I'm single. I'm staying here. My mind stayed on Him. I have perfect peace. And that's not even bothering me. I cast down every one of those thoughts and imaginations. My mind stayed on you, Lord. What will happen if your eye is single? Your whole body will be full of light. And that's God at work. How many of you can see that? See, through meditation. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. You connect that with Isaiah 53 that says, And by His stripes you are healed. Now, God wants us to take the time to meditate and see Him on that cross. I use words to paint a picture in my mind and write this upon the canvas of my heart. Jesus, I see you becoming the curse for me. I see you becoming sickness for me. I say that with my mouth. You see, I'm saying it. I see you on the cross. I see you becoming my sickness. I see you carrying my pain. I see you becoming my curse. You became the curse for me. You became that disease for me. You became that sickness for me. You took that pain for me. I see it, Lord, and I say it, Lord. And I continue to say it. I keep it in my mouth. I keep that picture before my mind. And I continue to do that by day and night, by day and night, by day and night. What happens? My spirit is strengthened. Faith is built. The ability of God is generated inside me and developed and cultivated. And before I know it, glory to God, I'm walking in it. I said, I'm walking in it. I reverse the curse. Because it's flowing out of me. It's coming up out of my spirit. Amen. 
See, too often people have had this one idea, and that is that if you just say it a few times, it's just going to happen. I've got to give you one more verse, and I promise you I will close with this verse. I do want you to see this in the book of Hebrews, if you would please, chapter 9. You know why? Because this is connected with what I'm saying here tonight, with these things that I'm saying about what Jesus... Here's a picture I want you to paint in your mind. How many of you remember the fact that the spies could not enter into the promised land because they meditated on what they saw, and as a result of what they saw, the ten spies saw the giants in the land. They couldn't control their words or their conduct. Did everybody get that or did I say it too softly? How many of you know the ten spies didn't enter the promised land because they meditated on the problem rather than the word of God and they painted a picture of defeat in their lives and said, they, see, they couldn't control their words. They said, we can't do it. And their conduct, they refused to do it. They have even picked up stones that stone anybody that said they could. Remember that story? But the two spies... They didn't see themselves as defeated. They didn't see themselves as those who could not fulfill the Word of God. No, they said they were well able to do it. Why? Because their meditation was upon the Word of God by day and night. And when they faced a difficult circumstance, what came out of them? They controlled their speech. They spoke the Word of God and their conduct. They said, let's go take the land. Remember that story? Do you see how that worked? What you meditate on becomes a part of you. It builds either weakness or strength into your life. That you will do. By your meditation, you control your conduct and you control your speech. Now, in connection with what Jesus became for us, beloved, listen carefully to this. Because this, again, will revolutionize the way you study God's Word. In Hebrews chapter 9, On the cross He bore my sickness and carried my pain and my mental anguish. Correct? On the cross, the Bible says He became the curse for me. Correct? Okay, I see him bearing my sickness. I see him carrying my pain. I see him on that cross bearing my mental anguish, my sin, and all that. I see all this taking place to, to my Savior on the cross. And I see that with everything that is within me. I meditate it. I say it. I say it. I meditate it. I paint a picture upon the canvas of my heart until I make it very crystal clear to my mind and my heart that Jesus on the cross bore my sickness, carried my pain, bore my sin, became the curse for me, and my mental anguish. Right? Okay, so he bore it. Now, don't stop there. I want you to paint this picture in your mind. This will set your feet to dancing, to running and shouting. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9, and let's start with verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Your conscience to serve the living God. Did you ever see that before? Did you ever see that before? Your conscience to serve the living God. Purge your conscience from dead works. What is that? 
See, when you don't see Jesus entering in the high court of heaven, when you don't see Him offering His blood, when you don't see the high court of heaven saying, It is finished. I receive it. Man is justified. Then you go on thinking that you're still a worm in the dust. You go on thinking that you've got to do it all by yourself. And you're not worthy. And you're not good enough. But when you meditate and you begin to see your Messiah, your Jesus, through the eternal Spirit of God, entering in the high court of heaven with His own blood, obtaining an eternal redemption for you, and you see Him take His blood and sprinkle that blood over all the utensils of worship, and you say, I'm free! I'm free! I'm free! On the inside of you, I'm free! You've got a pure conscience. And through it and by it, you serve the living God. You purge your conscience from dead works. Man, that stuff is dead. Who's a worm in the dust? Who's a victim of the enemy? Ah, Jesus defeated him, praise God. Jesus entered into his own domain, stripped him of all his authority, was raised up from the dead, took his blood into the high court of heaven, and obtained my eternal redemption. You can say, anxiety, you won't rule me any longer. My peace of mind is in Jesus. You can say, problem, situation, difficulty, whatever it is, you can't rule me any longer. I'm serving God with a pure conscience. Purged from that. I can't think like that anymore. You know, we don't have a right to think defeated. What a revelation. Well, we better stand before God right now I, I, because I'm tempted to give you another scripture. And I said I wouldn't. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.